Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So, this morning I was talking about... um, uh, uh, just kind of a supplemental message with what pastor series that he's been doing and um, um, uh, about uh, finding your place. And Steve titled it Finding Your Place 6B. So, uh, <laughs> whatever. But anyway, uh, and I did want to mention, you know, we, we talked about, pastor talked about the tambourine playing. We have the holy tambourine still, so... I keep it in my office right on top of my, uh, my desk. And would you like to play it, Leah? No. <laughs> she was the uh, tambourine expert. And uh, so we have the tambourine. I keep those things. They're just little mementos. But anyway, she, wasn't in, she was serving this morning, so I uh, couldn't embarrass her this morning. But she did that for years, and we're grateful for that. And, and Kendra is also, I told them the story about how you thought everybody had to play tambourine when they came to church here. Uh, if you weren't here this morning, if you were serving uh, Someone, when they invited Kendra, they told her, just want to give you a warning. They play tambourines there. And she thought that meant everyone plays tambourines. Like there's a big box of tambourines and she'd have to play one. And uh, she was happily surprised to find out that wasn't the case. And I've never heard Kendra play tambourine. We're probably grateful for that as well. But um, she's no Leah on the tambourine, I'll tell you that. So um, so anyway, I want to move on tonight. But before I do, I just felt impressed. There was, you know, there were several things... Um, uh, this morning, kind of different things I'd written down and, and uh, didn't have time to get to everything. Uh, but I did feel impressed to go back and just talk about one, one other thing. Go to Romans uh, chapter 11 uh, in the subject of finding your place. And uh, I just want to read this scripture to you and just make a couple comments about it, then we'll move on. But in Romans chapter 11, a uh, verse that, that we, we know, do you know where I'm going? No, all right. Romans chapter 11 in the 29th verse says, For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Uh, The Amplified says, For God's gift and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them once they are given, and he does not change his mind about, about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. And the message, I like the way it paraphrase puts it, says, God's grace and God's call are under full warranty, never canceled, and never rescinded. Um, you know, a lot of times people read these scriptures, they think specifically about the call to ministry. Someone has a call in their life to ministry, full-time ministry, and they think, you know, those calls, gifts and callings are, are, are without repentance. God never withdraws those things. Once you're called, you're always called, you know, and, and it's kind of a, oh, you better be careful, you know, you're called ministry. You, you can run, but you can't hide kind of a thing, you know. But it, it doesn't say ministry, it's just all the gifts and callings. The gifts and callings in general, they are without repentance. They're never rescinded. Um, and, you know, we, we, uh, we know that each person has these gifts. And so, you know, one of the things that is important to remember, these gifts are ours and they're, they're ours, whether we use them or not, they belong to us. They've been given to us. And of course we know the scriptures we read throughout the series, pastor read that having given gifts, then use them, uh, and that we're created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. He intends that we walk those things out. Well, you know, when you look at, at this, you know, it's important to understand that how we use these gifts, whether we use them or not, and how we use them is entirely up to us. Um, uh, these gifts will operate in people's lives, even if they're not used for the original purpose. The gifts and callings of God, this grace is placed upon somebody's life, will work in their life and function in their life, even if they don't walk in it, even if they don't use it for the kingdom, it's still there. Um, you know, it's, it, I just say that because, um, you know, a lot of times uh, people think they're not, they're not called to serve in the ministry or, or at, in the ministry and the work of God in the kingdom. I'm not graced for that. And yet they walk in grace in their life and they don't realize the grace they walk in in life is supposed to be used for the kingdom. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people that are graced to do different things and people can use it however they want. Um, you know, you think about different leaders in history, uh, different people that, that did different things, you know, were graced um, uh, to do various things. You know, there's a grace to lead, but how I many know not all leaders lead the right way? Um, there are people that are graced uh, to do various things, maybe have gifts and talents, and, 
And they don't, uh, they choose to use them in different areas. You know, I always think of, and, and I'll just, I'm going to say the name, and if you're a fan, don't get offended, but I always think of Michael Jackson. Uh, he was big when we were young uh, in the 80s. Uh, when did Thriller come out? Probably early, probably 1980 or something, but it was a long time ago. The number one selling album of all time, I think, up, up until maybe just recently, or maybe it still is, I don't know, but hugely successful album. And obviously he was grace. There was, there was a gift on his life. Um, but you know, the, the grace, that gift was there, but you know, like I said, you can use it wherever you want to use it. And, um, Luke chapter eight, I'll just read it to you. This is out of the amplifier, Luke seven thirty five. not Luke eight, but Luke seven thirty five. 35, uh, the amplifier says, let with yet wisdom is vindicated, shown to be truer and divine by all her children, by their life, character, and deeds. So wisdom is vindicated. It's shown to be true or not. It's shown to be real or not by uh, its children or the, the produce of those things, what it, what it produces. And these gifts, um, how, how God sees things and how we see things can be very different and how, how people look at gifts and success and all these different things are very, very different. You know, I talk a lot about having an eternal perspective on things and I hope you don't get tired of that, but I think that is such an important, uh, guiding, uh, uh, standard for our lives it should be guiding us. It will guide everything we do in the future. It should be guiding us now. But when you think of somebody, even like Michael Jackson, even if you're a fan, you know, don't, don't get mad at me and, and whatever. I love the hee-hees too. Hee-hee, right? I mean, that's all great. But you look at what's the produce. What, what is the long-term uh, effect? What was the long-term uh, uh, resource or, or outcome of that gift, that grace that was upon his life? You know, if, if a grace or a gift doesn't bring, bring glory to Jesus, if it doesn't further the kingdom of God, it was used inappropriately. And it was used in an unsuccessful manner. You know, when you go to the, the Florida games and, and you, they play Tom Petty on the, over, on the, on the, on, you know, over the PAs. You know, I was there this last year when Florida beat Florida State again. And, um, you know, I was there and when the, I guess it's the fourth quarter, right? When it starts, they play the, you know, never back down. You know, you know, what's that? Is that the name of it? Won't back down. Won't back down. And everybody gets up and, and, you know, you know, has their phones and shows it. And at night, it looks really cool. And, and we think, man, that's awesome. I look at that when I was there, and not just because I'm not a, a, a Florida fan, but when I heard it the first time, I thought it's cool, it looks great, but it just it it just it 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 pierced my heart a little bit. It just kind of grieved my heart a little bit because you know you have uh, all of these people that are that are that was affected by this man's gift, and yet what is history going to say? What is eternity going to say as far as how it was used? Um, you know, these things, if they're not used for the kingdom of God, they'll pass away just like everything else in this world will pass away. Now, I don't know their spiritual condition. I don't know. And that's not my business. That's between them and the Lord and, and neither are here anymore. They're, they're where they are. Um, their eternal destiny has been set, but as far as their legacy on earth and what they produced with that God given gift that can never be rescinded, it was not uh, you realize that gift even had an eternal purpose, not just for in this life, but those gifts are to even to be used later. If it says that they're never rescinded, they're never taken back. That means what your grace to do now, that'll be a part of what you do later. That'll be an aspect of, of your, your calling and your, your, the position that God has for you, things that he's prepared for you, works in this life that you should walk in, but also works in the le- next that you should be walking in, you know, those gifts on those individuals and people throughout history, if they didn't do it for the kingdom of God, those gifts are lost for eternity. And it's so important that we, we, when I said this morning about living our life, you know, that our, we, we live our lives not to make room for, for the kingdom, but we, we, we live our lives from a kingdom perspective, making room for life that our life should flow out of our walk with God. It should, it should flow out of our, 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 our giftings, our callings, our place in the kingdom, what God has assigned us to do. We should fit our life to fit that. And there's danger there in, in, in letting our gifts to not using them in the right place and getting our gifts out of perspective. You can become selfish in using gifts. People can be selfish in how they use their gifts and promote themselves. It's so important not to let that happen. 
any gift, anything you have that's a grace on your life. We can all think of different ones that are grace to do all kinds of, it could be administrative. It could be uh, speaking. It could be working with children. It could be music. It could be any number of things where they're gifted in grace. You could be just super grace to figure things out. You know, there's people that are just super, they just, they can connect the dots and make things work. I mean, that's, that's kind of an administrative gift. Whatever that is, if, if, if it shows up in someone's natural life or personal life, outside life, there's a place for it in the kingdom. And you might say, well, there's nothing here for me to do. If there's a grace, you might say there's nothing in the church, in the kingdom for me to do. If there's a grace on your life, then there's a place for it. Because God wouldn't just give it to you on your life just for yourself and for natural things. It's there always for a kingdom purpose. And so, you know, when you recognize these things in yourself or parents, you recognize these things in your children, you know, I I think that's one of the most important things when you recognize them in your children, that you develop those things, not just for their future, not just so they can have a good job or do this or do that, but you develop that in them. You help them find it, develop it, how to walk those things out so they can use it for God. So they can apply it for the kingdom because really anything outside of that, uh, it'll perish. You know, we're all going to go through scrutinization of our lives, not by people, but by God himself. You know, when I was, I was thinking about this, uh, uh, when I, when I was kind of jotted these things down, you know, I was in Rome last year with, uh, pastor rich and, um, we took a day, uh, just to kind of see some sites in Rome, took about five hours, I guess, and went to the Colosseum and, you know, and you walk to the Colosseum in Rome. I mean, there, there are, there are ruins everywhere in Rome. There's just ruins everywhere. There's some, there's so many ruins in Rome that, that they don't even bother to try to protect them. We think they would try to, you know, put fences around this or, or, you know, revitalize it. They're just, there's stuff everywhere and, and just ruins. We get down to that area near the Coliseum, you walk right by the, um, uh, the forum area. And, and I don't know if you, you saw seen pictures of the, of the forum and, and that was the main hub of life where life happened and the Coliseum was right next to it. I mean, it, it's in shambles. And, you know, what was, the, what was one of the mottos of the Roman Empire? It was an empire without end. It was, it was a rule without end. It was, a, it was this, they were building something that was going to last forever. That was, that's man's ideas, but was there potential there? Did, did different leaders during that time, did, was there grace on their life? There was because they did something naturally. You can see there was something there. They did something naturally, but they put it in the wrong place and it didn't further the gospel. It furthered their own kingdom. And is it, is it an empire without end? Did it, did it reign forever? No. In fact, when you walk past the Colosseum, you know, they kind of told us a little bit about what is left of the, of the, uh, of not the Colosseum. When you're headed to the Colosseum and you walk past the forum, it's all, you know, broken down and there's stuff everywhere. And they, they kind of told us what happened. The Tiber river after the Roman empire fell flooded numerous times and filled that entire area full of mud. So this thing that was supposed to last forever was completely buried Completely unfounded. It wasn't until uh, uh, Napoleon came along and he wanted to show off to his friends that he had conquered Rome, that he used dynamite to excavate it. And so that's why it's all broken up because it was preserved under the mud, but, but Napoleon didn't think about preserving it. He just wanted to do it quick and dym- dynamited the whole area. That's why it's all busted up. But, you know, they did all of this to have an empire forever and it, it's just a memory. It really has no effect on our life. It even, it doesn't even have an everyday effect on the Ro- on Roman citizens anymore or on the nation of Italy. It has no, nothing really to do there, uh, no effect on them. So you, we want to make sure we, we use our gifts always where it is my gift. There's something God has called me to do. There's a grace on my life. How does it fit? What can I do with it? And I know a lot of times, you know, we, we can tell you as pastors, people will say, well, if y'all need anything, you know, let me know. You realize we're always needing stuff here. And it's not just about here. There's things all over. I mean, Pastor Rich needs help where he is. He, he's, he's looking for if people can come over there to help him with different, uh, when he goes to different cities and put on conferences. I mean, there are a lot of things you can do. Um, people say, well, you know, let me know if there's something you want to do. That's different than, you know, I want to do something and, and help me figure it out. I'm going to come, come do something. You know, there's two different things. You, 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 you want to... You, you want to uh, approach the grace that's on your life, not, at, not from the... Obviously, you know, you want to you get permission and, and do things the right way. But, but don't just handle it, approach it. Well, if they need me, they'll let me know. No, there's something for you to do. Find a place to be used. 
find a place to be faithful. Find a place to, to, to a good place to start that you can move into something acceptable and then into the perfect will of God for your life. It's such an important thing to do. So uh, all of these gifts are entirely up to us. So that just a part I felt like I needed to, to talk about a little bit. So tonight I want to move on to uh, uh, the, the, what I had for tonight. And um, uh, tonight I want to talk to you about being faithful in your place. Pastor talked about finding your place. And I want to talk about being faithful in your place. And, um, I know we have a limited amount of time. Of course, I said that this morning and I still went for 50 minutes, so I'm going to try to be good. Um, and I've got a lot of things written down here. And so I want to, uh, kind of look through this and pick and choose some, some different things. You know, last year, Keith Moore did a series on faithfulness and, and, uh, I listened to it and boy, it just kind of pierced my heart. Just like, wow. And I, I probably listened to it. I can't tell how many times I listened to it over and over again because, you know, I'm always wanting to examine my own life and uh, make sure that I'm being faithful and, and doing those things and, and, and not letting something slip, you know. And uh, so there's just some things that he talked about that I just uh, felt like we needed to, to pass along tonight uh, to you. So what is faithfulness? Faithfulness uh, would be lasting loyalty, uh, trustworthiness, being true to one's word or commitments, pledged to do, profess to believe. Being dedicated, steadfast, a quality uh, of adhering to a fact, a standard, or an original. It, you can say it this way. It's trustworthy, being trustworthy, being reliable, and uh, something that you, someone that, you can be, that can be counted on. That's what faithfulness is. And, um, you know, faithfulness is a primary characteristic of God. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God's faithful. I'm glad that, that he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is, that is irrespective of me and what I do or what you do. God is faithful. And the things that he's decided to do, he's going to do. Just boil it down for the most basic. He decided to love me. He decided to love you, right? He was faithful to that commitment. And no matter what we did, this morning we were talking about God's mercy. You know, one of the songs about how merciful he is. Thank God he's a merciful God. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful and true to everything he decides. He's faithful. And so uh, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, I think I quoted this this morning, but in Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations for, with those who love him and he keep his commandments. That word keep means to guard to give heed and to attend to. He is the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. That is a long-term commitment. In fact, that just means that's who he is. And when they would say, well, what happens when the thousand generations comes and goes? Is God no longer faithful? No, that's just illustrating a long period of time. He is settled in who he is. God is faithful. And uh, faithfulness really is the natural heart of every believer. When we've been created, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen that if you're in Christ, you're a new creature in Christ, right? All things have passed away. I love the Amplified. It says the, the uh, um, let me turn to it. Um, Leslie, you got your Amplified Bible? 2 Corinthians, I know pastor used to always call in Leslie when she had her Amplified. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. I can probably turn there faster with this thing. Let's see. All right. It says, therefore, if anyone, any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. And then all things are from God. So if God is a God of faithfulness, if that's who he is, he's a faithful God, then the natural state of a believer is to be faithful. For a believer to be unfaithful or when the, the, the meaning of being faithful is can't be counted on, not trustworthy, not reliable, right? For, for a believer to not be those things, then they're not walking in the nature of God. They're not imitating their father. They're actually living to a standard or, or a level or a whatever you want to, however you want to call it, a different degree of sonship than what they're called to and who they're destined to be. As a believer, as a child of God, you have God in you. That's who you are. And so you are naturally going to be faithful. But how many know faithfulness is not a common thing? Faithful is not a common thing in the day we live in. It's very, in fact, it's very uncommon. Um, 
uh, it says in Psalms chapter 12, the first verse, it says, help. This was, you know, the, the, the writer, he said, help, Lord, for the godly man, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from the sons of man. He was saying, help, faithful men are disappearing from the, from the uh, sons of men. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, uh, most men will proclaim, proclaim his, each will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? Faithfulness is not common, and sadly, it's not even common in the body of Christ. Now, obviously, not here. We're all faithful, right? Uh, but in the body of Christ in general, faithfulness is not a common thing. Um, but people think they're faithful. If you were to ask most people, they would say they're faithful. They would say, say they're faithful. A lot of times they think in terms of maybe I'm faithful to my spouse. I'm a faithful person. You know, I'm, I'm faithful to take care of my kids. I'm a faithful person. And that's an aspect, obviously, of being faithful. But there's a lot more to faithfulness than just that. And especially from a kingdom perspective, an eternal perspective, you know, it, it's, not, it's, it's truly not my place to say whether or not you're faithful or to even say whether or not I'm faithful in, in terms of being faithful to God. It would be his job to say whether I'm faithful or not because it's, he's the one that has the standard. He's the one that I'm serving. He's the one that I'm being faithful to. It's like saying, you know, I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a good husband. Well, you can, I could say that, but the real person who could tell you would be Amy, right? I mean, you know, I'm a good dad. Well, I can say that, but the, 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 the answer is really going to come down to my kids. You know, do, have I been faithful to them? They may not, they may not think it because, you know, may not, kids don't always like the things that you do, but in the end, they're going to be the ones to determine whether or not I was faithful as a parent. Well, you know, a lot of times we approach our service and our, and our, 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 our gifts, our talents. We're talking about finding our place. Well, how about our faithfulness in our place? We approach that from the standpoint of what's good enough for us. And, and do we judge ourselves faithful? And yeah, we need to be constantly looking at ourselves, but really, ultimately, God is the one that sets the standard for whether or not we're faithful. So we need to go to him and uh, find out if we're actually faithful. Faithfulness uh, um, is not diligence. Faithfulness and diligence are two different things. That scripture in Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says, you know, therefore know the Lord your God. He is the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. It doesn't say the diligent God. It says the faithful God. They're actually two very different things. And I think sometimes when it comes to our service to the kingdom, even our positions we have in the local church, we mistake being diligent for being faithful. You can be present and do something on a consistent basis and yet not be faithful, faithful because one of the largest aspects of faithfulness is, is it's a heart issue. Faithful, faithfulness is when you're a trustworthy, when you are reliable, uh, when someone is someone that can be counted on, that's, that, that speaks of who you are. That speaks of not just what you do, but who you are as a person. What's your heart? What's your, what's your, your heart's position? What's your determination in life, right? And so people can be, can be diligent in service and yet not be faithful in service. And so it's important that we make that distinction and that these are things that we always want to be looking at our lives through the word of God and, and not going on a spiritual witch, witch hunt, so to speak, in our own life, but being open to the spirit of God. You know, am I actually living a faithful life? Am, I know I'm, you can be busy and I'm busy, but am I faithfully busy? Am I doing what you're asking me to do? Am I doing it for the right reasons? Is my heart right in these things? And it's such an important thing. Um, like I said, I had a lot of things written down, and uh, 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 I want to make sure just pick and choose the kind of things that, that, we, that we get to. Faithfulness involves attitude. Faithful, faithfulness involves attitude. I read the scripture. Go with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, Kelsey put the, the first part up this morning, and you don't need to put it up again uh, this, this evening, Kelsey. Thank you. Um, when I put the scripture up this morning, if you're here, did everybody know what, what word I was looking at? Whoa, all right, I'm just curious if y'all, if y'all knew what that was. I don't know if I explained this this morning. The woe in that is not just woe, I'll, I'm going to be in trouble if I don't obey. The, the woe is the lives that won't be affected for the kingdom if I don't obey. And, and that's the more, that's the heavier thing. That's the weightier issue. Uh, we want to make sure that, that we are uh, fulfilling the work of the kingdom, where we're, that people are getting every opportunity to hear the truth that they possibly can. And that requires us to, to take our place but it says here in 1 Corinthians 9, 16 and 17, it says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Verse 17, 
For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. And we talked about this morning, the fact that when you obey, there is reward attached to our obedience. And, and there are things that God will reward us for. And if we don't obey, then we miss out on reward. And so that, that's obvious. But notice here it says that if I do this willingly, I have a reward. Our attitude in our, the use of our gifts and how we serve and how we, uh, we bring the grace and, and, and bring it and present it, our attitude is such an important thing. In fact, our attitude is probably one of the most important things. Is the, is, are we willingly, you know, there's that scripture in Isaiah says, if you're what willing and obedient, you'll, you'll what eat the good of the land. One scripture says you'll feast like Kings. If you're willing and obedient, being obedient is not good enough. I told the story a while back, you know, the brother Hagen's uh, thing after he had left, uh, pastoring one of his churches, he was driving meeting to meeting and his clothes were worn out. His car was worn out. You know, the tires were bald and, and it was on the, it was in, he actually had to sell that car for junk, you know, and his kids weren't properly clothed and he didn't have money for Christmas and just things weren't going well. But he, the Lord had told him to leave that church and go out in the field ministry. And he had a little bit of an attitude. I know we've never done that. And he went to the Lord kind of frustrated and he said, yeah, I'm doing this. I left this church and I'm, I'm doing all this stuff and all this isn't happening and that's not happening. And this is wrong and that's wrong. And, and, and the Lord told him, he said, cause you don't qualify. You don't qualify. And it, he, brother Hagan said it, it hurt him. And he said, you know, he, he was willing to argue with the Lord. I, I beg to differ. I've learned, you know, anytime the, anytime the Lord says something or we see something in the word, just agree with God. Maybe you don't understand it. That's okay. Just agree with God. There are things you're going to come across that, that you read or see, or even things the Lord would, would say to you. And like bring to your attention, hey, I want you to look at this. And you're like, I don't understand what you're talking about right now. You can't be, t- Lord, did you call the wrong house? I mean, are you, did you, did you send the text, the heavenly text to the wrong guy? Because that's not me. When you see something in the word or God deals with you about something, you just have to own it. History will, 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 will testify that he's always right. God's always right. He knows the beginning from the end. In fact, he's already, he's in the beginning and he's in the end. How is he doing it? I don't know, but he knows firsthand what's right and what's not right. And so, uh, brother Hagen, you know, so the Lord said, you don't qualify. And he kind of, well, what do you mean? And, and he said, he brought him to the scripture. If you're willing and obedient. And he said, well, like I said, you don't qualify. And he said, but I'm, I'm out here. He said, yeah, you're out here. You're on the road. You're doing these things, but your heart's been wrong. Said you've had an attitude about it. You've been diligent. You can say it this way. You've been diligent to obey. You're doing all of the things. You're checking all the boxes. In fact, he was doing it to the point of wearing everything out he had and to the point where he had, his natural resources were coming to an end. He was tired and worn out and he's going through all the motions and doing all the things. He's being diligent, but something was wrong in his heart. He wasn't willing. And so uh, you know, you, you, you have to make sure that you make those adjustments that you're, this says here, if you're willing in this scripture, that Paul was writing, he said, if I, woe to me, if I don't preach the gospel for, if I do it willingly, I have a reward, but if against my will, uh, I've just been entrusted with a, with a steward. So a stewardship. So it's important that uh, we watch our attitudes. Faithfulness is an issue of the heart. And oftentimes our attitude can be wrong in how we serve. Um, you know, well, let me, let me see where I want to go. Um, let's look at, let's look at, um, let's look at first Corinthians chapter four, first Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and we'll, we'll read verses one through five. Uh, Yeah, okay. First uh, Corinthians chapter four. Verse one, it says, So a man, so let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards, distributors, managers, overseers of the mystery of God. You know, Paul's gift, his calling was to make known the mysteries of, of God's will. And, and, and uh, he said, so um, they were, he was just saying, let us, let us cons- people consider this. Verse two, moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. It's not just good enough to have a call or have a gift, but are you faithful with it? Verse 3, but with me, 
It is, uh, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of, know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this. He's saying, I can't think of something I missed in him, but my, my assurance isn't in this. My confidence isn't in that. He said, but he who judges me is the Lord. Like I said earlier, we, we, we can't even really judge ourselves in this thing accurately. We need to go to what God says about us. But in verse 5, it says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the, Lord, until, until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, then each one's praise will come from and then each one's praise will come from God. So these things, as far as attitudes and, and, and these things, a steward must be found faithful. And then he ties in the fact that the intents of the heart, the purposes of the heart will be brought to light. God knows these things. And he is very much taking an account of, of our heart condition when we do them. Not just whether or not we do it, but our heart behind what we're doing. And it says here that, that, that these things, nothing will be hidden. It'll all be, be brought to light. Even the, the hidden counsels of the heart will be brought to light. And so we need to make sure we're dealing with these things now and, and watching ourselves, make sure that we're in the right place. Um, you know, that's when we'll hear, he said, then it said in the last part of the verse, he said, then each one's praise will come from God. God will actually praise those who, yes, obeyed, but did it faithfully. And part of that is doing it with the right heart, the right motivation. That's when we hear, that's when we'll hear the well done, good and faithful servant. It would be a sad thing to do a lot of stuff and be busy, be diligent. Now, diligence is a part of faithfulness. You can't be faithful and not diligent, right? You can't be faithful you can't be truly faithful, but when you're not diligent to show up, you can't be faithful when you're not diligent to do your job. You can't be faithful. Uh, you can't be considered faithful when you're not diligent to actually put your gifts to work. You, you can't be, they, you can't have one without the other, but diligence alone doesn't do this. And if we are, we'll be praised by God. That's when we'll hear good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. It'd be a sad thing to do a lot of things in life and yet still don't hear you. You hear the same thing that you would have heard had you not done anything, right? You still won't get praise from God. You'll get something else. You, instead of well done, we've heard the joke before, you'll get the well you're done. And none of us want that. We want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Another thought process that, that is wrong, another attitude that's not, that's not right. And sadly, I've heard it before. Said I'd do a better job or do a more thorough job if I was being paid. But I'm just a volunteer and this is as good as I can do. I know nobody here in this room would ever say anything like that, but we've heard those kind of things. But I've also seen that kind of approach to things as well. People didn't speak it with their words, but they displayed it with their actions. I've seen it before. Well, that's not being faithful. I mean, that, 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 that right there, that, that's a multiple problem. That, that's a lack of faithfulness, also a love of money. Because you do it if you're getting paid. I mean, that's one of the things that, that, that kind of cracks me up. Well, I can't make it to church, you know, because it's too early, but you get it for work every day, you know, or, or I can't come to this. Well, you had no problem going to, to the job. Well, it's because they're paying me. Well, then they're, that, then you got a problem, right? There, that's a, that's, that's a love of money is also an unfaithful heart to God. That really, that's what it is. It's an unfaithfulness in your heart towards Jesus that you value something because you get dollars for it versus what the price has already been paid for you. And what Christ has already done for us. And so uh, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's not a good, a good attitude. Uh, a faithful approach, a faithful attitude is the whatever it takes attitude. That, that's, that's, the, that's the right attitude. That's, that's what a faithful heart says. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done. When there's something in your life that's important to you, you do whatever it takes to make it happen. Right. I mean, that when it, when your heart's really behind something, we all know there's all things that we all have things that, man, we're 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 all about. We're we're passionate about. We believe in and whatever it takes. That's what I'm going to do it. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care if I have to stay up late. I don't care if I have to get up early. You know, can't get up to can't spend time reading your Bible, but you can get up to go hunting. Right. I mean, I can get up early to go, go. I can get up early to go to sit in the tree stand, but I can't get up early to spend time with Jesus. Right. I mean, these are all of these kind of things that that's an unfaithful heart on display. It means your affection is somewhere else. You're not reliable. You're not trustworthy. Your, your, your affections are tied somewhere else. So just things that, that we need to be aware of and make sure that we're not uh, falling into.
Um, there's a couple parables, and, and I know we're, we're, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but um, in Luke chapter 19, this, you can read the whole, the whole parable later in Luke 19, there'll be 11 through 27. Um, and these are great, uh, just uh, obviously everything Jesus said was awesome. Um, but I want to look here at the 24th through the 26th verse, just for time's sake. And this is the parable of the minas, and, and um, let me get to it here in my own Bible and just look at it. Well, it's hard not to read this. Um, it's also recorded in Matthew in the 25th chapter, but um, well, let's just read it. So verse 11 says, Now as they heard these things, they spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem, Jerusalem because they had brought the kingdom of God. They thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he said, A certain nobleman went into a far country and received for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants and said to, and delivered to them ten minas. Now that's a particular amount of money. I, I don't know what the amount is. I think it's uh, about a month's salary. And he delivered them, uh, uh, delivered them ten minas. Each mina is about that amount. And said to them, "Do business till I come." But his citizens hated him and sent a, delega- a delegation after him, saying, "We will, we will not have this man to rule over us or reign over us." And so it was when they had returned, having received the kingdom. When he re- returned and having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Verse 16, then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. He said to him, well done, good servant, because you are faithful and very little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five minas. Likewise, he said to him, you also uh, be over five cities. Then another came saying, Master, here are your minas, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect where you did not deposit. You reap where you did not sow. And he said to him, out, out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that I may, uh, cl- that at my coming I might, cl- have, I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it take from him and give it to him who has ten minas. By, by they, but they say to a master, he has ten minas. For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and to from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring him the, here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, and I will slay them before me. So things that end well overall. But these uh, minas, you know, were taken from the one who didn't do something with it and was giving to the person that, that uh, was faithful and that did something with what was given to him. People say, is that fair? That's absolutely fair. It's absolutely fair to take from the one who did nothing and give it to the one who made use of, of what was entrusted with him. Um, a lot of times people don't understand that and they think, well, that's not right. That's abs- like I said earlier, we always want to side with God. And, and Jesus was not condemning this man. He would, this was actually saying, this is the right thing. Uh, why would one mind be given to the man who already had 10? Because he had already proven himself faithful and knew what to do with it. He had proven himself to be faithful. That's why it's important now to prove yourself faithful with the things God has given you. I mean, thank God pastor has ministered on these things. He's giving us, prompting us to take stock of our lives and make sure we're being obedient, but then being faithful in our obedience, that we're doing those things because these things will be taken from us if we're not faithful with them now. Um, you know, there, he gives everybody equal opportunity, but everyone doesn't get equal reward. You can read the same parable, uh, this, another instance of, in Luke 16 of the unjust steward. It says in Luke 16, 10, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is an unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. That wasn't a, a maybe he's making, stating a fact. He who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in much. And it's a fact he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. The good news is we make the determination whether or not we're faithful in the least. And that then determines whether we'll be faithful in the much. That's why he'll take from one and give it to another. 
Because he knows if you weren't faithful with the small thing, then you'll, you won't be faithful with the larger. Luke chapter 16, verse 12. He goes on to say, and if you have, if you have not been faithful in what is another's man, another man's, who will give you what is your own? And really, this is a key to faithfulness, being faithful with what belongs to somebody else. Being faithful in what is someone else's is a great indication of faithfulness in your life. Well, I don't think it should be run that way. I don't think it should, should go that way. Well, that's, that's, that's the way it is. But we have to keep our heart right, and we'll learn the why of how these things operate. Well, why don't people call on me more? Why don't people use me more? Why, I'm not, why am I not used more here at Impact or wherever? Well, it it's, uh, uh, might be because you're not faithful. You know, we, we're, we're, we may not have a, there may not be a ton of opportunities in various areas. You know, maybe we're growing in things. But I do know this, as people take their place, opportunities to serve and be used grow, grow as well. Because the outreach of ministry can expand as people take positions and these gifts come into place. And like I said this morning, you know, uh, I was limited on our fishing because of my thumb. That was something I couldn't do as an opportunity that was lost. Well, if this had been working properly, that would have been something I'd been able to do. There are ministries of any church that won't happen if people aren't stepping up using their gifts. If a part is missing or something's not working properly, there's just certain things that won't function. There are certain things that you won't be able to do. There are certain things a church won't be able to accomplish. I can tell you this, God's got a bigger plan, a bigger vision for Impact Family Church than what we've seen to this point. He has a bigger, God has a bigger vision for us in this community, in our area than what we've seen before. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with what we've done and what we've accomplished. And I thank God for those things, but I'm not satisfied with those things. It, we should be like Paul. We, we, we put those things behind us. We, we're thankful for those things, but we keep stretching forward and pushing forward. There is more to do. There's more to happen, to be accomplished, more things we can do for the kingdom, but it requires people to be in their place. It requires people to, to take an acceptable and then move to a good and, or, or rather start with a good, then move to an acceptable and then move into the perfect will got what God has for them. And so it, it's an important thing that we do this. That's why a lot of times people aren't getting called on because they're not being faithful. And because of other people's faithfulness, there's not the opportunities that there could be. Um, uh, let's see. Where are we at? How long have I been up here? Been up a little while. Um, there's a lot of things here that you could you could uh, get into. Um, why why am I not called on more? Well, oftentimes we don't listen when we've been asked to do things in prior times. You know, a lot of times people are willing to do things, but only if they can do it their way. I'll serve, I'll use my gift if I can use, after all, it's my gift. If I, could, if I can use my gift the way I want to use my gift, I mean, it's my gift. You want to use my gift, then it needs to be on my terms. That's not, that's not, that's not how it works. He told those, those uh, the, the men with the minas to do something with it, to, to, to increase it. He didn't tell them to go to Vegas with it. They were entrusted to him, to these individuals, but he didn't say go buy a new boat. Or, or, you know, buy some new threads or what. He didn't say any of those things. He said he wanted them to invest it. So even though it was their gift, it was given to them, they still needed to use it to the purpose of the one who gave it to them. And I think sometimes we, we myself included, we can fall into saying, what's well, my gift? It's, it's for me. I can serve it in the kingdom the way I want to serve in the kingdom. No, it still needs to accomplish what God wants to do, say, well, well, how do we know what's what God wants to do? Well, whoever's in charge gets the opportunity to say whether that's God or not. You do realize that's the case. It's whoever's, whoever's God is placed in the position of making those decisions. That's who gets to set the tone for, uh, for what, how they should be used. You know, faithfulness involves trust. Faithfulness involves trust. You know, uh, how do we know that things are being used right? Well, you know, you, 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 we can see things according to the word. Um, but how, is, how are you being asked to use it, use it? What are the limitations or the boundaries that you've been asked to use your gift in? You know, the attitude, I'll do it if I can do it my way, is really, it's that, that goes back, that's a very prideful thing. 
That's a prideful statement. You know, that's kind of, that's kind of, that's, that's something you would hear Lucifer say, uh, on when he rebelled, you know, I'll use my gift, but it's going to use it for what I want to use it for. Um, well, you know, how can we, like I said, faithfulness requires trust, requires faith that requires trust. Well, uh, even if you aren't sure if the leader is doing something right, you can still trust God. If he put you there, he'll reward you regardless, right? If they, the leader, needs correction, he'll deal with them, and it's not your place to do it. I know people don't like that, but that's the truth. I had some different examples of different people that, that I wrote down of what faithfulness looks like. And um, many of these men, Joseph and, and, and David, Daniel, uh, these were men that were faithful men. Um, but, you know, they were, they were using their, their gifts. I mean, Joseph was gifted for all sorts of things. I mean, he was a very gifted man. Everywhere he went, God blessed and God prospered. He managed things extremely well. He was serving Potiphar. I mean, first of all, he got there the wrong way. He got there, he got there in a way that was, I say wrong way, it was not the way he wanted to get there. Sold into slavery, you know, and it could have been real easy for Joseph to get an attitude, you know, and say, this shouldn't have happened to me, and, you know, I'm, I don't like this, and I'm just not going to do anything. Pot, uh, or Joseph would have stayed a slave his entire life had he done that. But he was faithful, not just to Potiphar or the different places he was at. He was faithful to God. Potiphar was not a godly man. Potiphar did things that wasn't right. Potiphar, I'm sure there were idols in Potiphar's house. I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff was there, was there that wasn't right. But Joseph was faithful to God by his faithfulness to Potiphar. Right? You know the account, right? The story when Potiphar's wife got an eye for Joseph and she came to Joseph and tried to make the moves on Joseph. And Joseph said, listen, everything in, in, in Potiphar's house is mine. He doesn't even know what's his. He doesn't know what he has. The only thing he said that's not his is you. The only thing that, that, that I don't I mean, everything he's, that I have access to everything. The only thing I don't have access is to you. And he said, he said, I won't be, I won't do this. I won't sin against God. I won't be unfaithful to God. He saw his service to Potiphar, an ungodly man, as though his faithfulness to God. So when it comes to it, when people are in leadership, you know, that, that uh, you, there can be a thing, well, you know, how do I know they're going to do it right? You know, it's my gift. How do I know they're going to do it right? That's up to God to decide. If God places somebody there, then it's their decision, it's their responsibility. And when I say responsibility, they have to give answer for that. You know, Pastor, Pastor Angela, myself, and Amy, we're very well aware of, you know, uh, uh, God's going to ask us, what did you do with the resources? And that includes the gifts he places in speaking locally of our church. What did you do with those things? How did you use them? We're, and he's, gonna, he's going to judge us in those areas. And so, you know, we're endeavoring to, to do the right thing. But um, Joseph, Joseph was faithful even to an unfaithful person, an, an immoral ruler, an immortal, immoral leader. What if, what if leaders are doing something immoral, illegal, or dangerous? People have those questions. There's always this fear. What if, what if they're doing something that's wrong? Um, in most cases, if there's something really going on, the Holy Ghost will alert you. But at the same time, there is a danger, and I like to call it the sixth gift of the Spirit, there's a danger to allowing the sixth gift of the spirit to begin to operate in your life. And that's the gift of suspicion. I'm suspicious by nature, not godly nature, human fallen nature. People are suspicious of people in leadership. They're just suspicious. They, they always think people in charge are taking advantage. That's, that's the given. And there's been a lot of people in leadership, even churches, ministries, where they've done stupid things and wrong things. And they've gotten in trouble with the church's money and, and using influence to do this. I mean, we could tell horror stories. There, there's a lot of this stuff out there. But most people are genuinely just trying to honor God and fulfill God's call in their life and do what God's asked them to do. If you open the door to the gift of suspicion, number one, you won't be able to hear from the Holy Ghost, but you'll hear from a lot of other ghosts and they aren't holy, right? You hear from a lot of other things. And I say, you know, we shouldn't just blindly accept and follow everything. You know, we should, should follow the, someone's example of their life and those things. But, but at the same point, you know, we need to be careful not to say, well, you know, uh, uh, I, I, need to, I need to be, listen, God has not called me to correct pastor. 
My, my place is not to call. We don't have like a one, once a week correction session where we come in. All right, pastor, you know, thank you for coming in. I've called you to meet, you know, let's sit down, pastor Angela, and let's just analyze what you're doing. That's not my job. My job, because I work for them, the, the Lord has placed me underneath them. I'm serving them right now. My job is to do what they tell me to do. And my responsibility would be to, A, to, to accept that, and then two, to do it with the right attitude, right? I can do it, but with the wrong attitude and not be faithful and not get a reward and suffer consequences. Really, it, what if they're wrong about something? If I do it as unto the Lord, God will honor me and reward me regardless of whether it was right or not. He'll honor me because my heart is right. But what if I try to submarine or try to undermine or try to, you know, uh, get behind it and try to, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to do it with everything I've got. I'm going to withhold this. I've got some good information that would help you, but because I don't like the way you're doing it, I'm not going to give it my all. I'm not going to do it whatever it takes. And, and what if it's right? And I do that. What if they're right? And that's how I approach it. I'm, I'm, God's not going to be pleased. I won't hear the well done, good and faithful servant. I'll hear the, I might not even hear, well, you're done. I may just get a knock upside the head, right? I'm not real sure what that is. I don't want any of those. I want to hear well done. Well, what if I, what if it is a mistake? What if it's totally wrong? There are things when, when we've been other places with that things that were going on and we were like, this isn't going to end well. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've, I've grown up doing this and you know, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to champion it. We're going to, we're going to go for it. And it didn't end up well. Well, what, what if I had withheld or not given it my all or, and it's wrong. Well, God actually then holds me responsible for the fact that it failed because I didn't give it everything I've got. That's a, that's evidence of a lack of faithfulness in my life. A lot of different examples we can look at Daniel, um, uh, Daniel, I'll, I'll read this to you. Daniel chapter six. No, we got to go. Jan, Daniel chapter six and the first through fifth verses says, it says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that, that the satraps might give an account to them. So the king would suffer no loss. Verse three. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the other governors and satraps. Why? Because he had an excellent spirit. There was something about Daniel. Listen, if you'll be faithful, you will stand out. People say, well, if I give it, if I give it my all, I'm not getting the recognition I need. A man's gifts will make room for him, especially when they're faithfully using their gifts. It'll make room for you. But it says that, uh, that Daniel distinguished himself above the other governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him, Daniel, over the whole realm. So he had these other governors and satraps, right? And so Daniel rose to the top because there was something different about Daniel. He had an excellent spirit. So the king was considering making, putting him in charge of everything. And so the other governors and satraps sought to find uh, some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault. So what does that mean? They went in and examined everything Daniel did. They tried to find some kind of dirt. These were not just peasants. These were people in positions of power. They had resources. Today, they would hire investigative teams. They would bug his house. They'd have cameras following him. They'd, they'd put, you know, Apple locators on his chariot. I mean, they would know where he's going, when he's going. They would, they would find out. You know, that stuff still goes on today. And, and these people, they didn't like the fact that Daniel was rising to the top. We got to do something about this. And it said they could find nothing wrong with Daniel. And Keith Moore said he never stole a pencil from the office. I mean, he, that, stealing a pencil from the office, if it ain't your pencil, that's being unfaithful. I mean, he did, he, there was nothing they could find on Daniel. Then the men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the laws of his God. This was the only time that, that this was okay. When something came in direct opposition to his commitment to the Lord, they, they came up with this idea. You know, we're going to make this, uh, this we, for this 30 days, no one can pray to any other gods, only to you, King Darius, and, and made Darius feel real good. And so they knew that Daniel wouldn't obey that. And of course, Daniel did what he always did. He was still excellent in spirit every day. Everything he did was excellent. But when the time came to pray... What did he do? He prayed to his God. He didn't pray to Darius. He prayed to God. Well, 
you know, they had trapped the king and the king threw Daniel in the lion's den. And, and we all know the story, you know, he just took a big nap and then, and all those guys who came up with this plan, uh, uh, they got thrown into the lion's den and the Bible says they were eaten before they hit the bottom. I mean, it didn't turn out well. They were Scooby snacks before they ever got to the bottom of, of the, uh, of, 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 of the pit of the den. But Daniel was protected because he had an excellent spirit. Here's one of the things that, that's important. Obviously, Darius was not a godly king. For him to even agree that people have got to pray to him and worship him, I mean, that, that shows the man wasn't right. But there's something about having a faithful heart, an excellent heart, that, that God will, there's, a, there's protection, there's provision, there, there is something for those. You know, the scripture says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to see, find those whose hearts are what? loyal or perfect to him, loyal to him. What is, what is that? That's that part of being loyal is being faithful. He's looking here and there, looking all over to find someone whose heart is faithful, whose heart is loyal to show, to do what? To show himself strong. That's what happened with Daniel. I mean, Daniel, the situation was bad because Daniel was faithful, but then God is good because God is faithful. And so God's faithfulness outweighed anybody else's attempt to try to derail Daniel because Daniel was a faith. He had positioned himself to experience the blessing and protection of God. David is another one. Wow, David. I mean, Saul was trying to kill him. He had Saul right where he needed him to be. Imagine David. He grew up, he grew up from a young, we were just talking about this the other day. He knew from a young age that he was going to be king. Yet he's still watching the sheep. He's still taking food to his brothers, you know, when they're fighting Goliath, he's doing all those things, but he knows he's going to be king. He's been anointed king. It's him. It's, he's the man. And then Saul's trying to kill him. He had Saul right in his grip. He cut off a piece of his cloak just to prove a point. Listen, bro, I can do this. Listen, buddy, you need to, you need to check yourself because I'm right here. But then it grieved his heart. He shouldn't have even cut Saul's cloak. He felt bad about it. And he said, listen, guys, all of his men, he said, we're not going to bring any harm. What is that? Even in the the midst of someone trying to kill him, what was that? A set of David. He was faithful. He was faithful because his time hadn't come. And he wasn't going to put himself in that position. He wasn't going to overstep that. He was going to do it the way God wanted it done. That's faithfulness. Noah was faithful. He prepared the ark in a midst of a terrible generation. He prepared the ark. And in fact, it said in 2 Peter chapter 2 that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Other people could have joined the ark with him. Now we said in that day, every man's hearts were darkened, but, but Noah went out and preached righteousness. So other people could have joined the ark, but could have joined him. It could have been more than just his eight. What was the difference? He was faithful. They were not faithful. They, he responded. They did not respond. You know, faithfulness in the local church Luke 16, 10, and I'm going to wrap it up here. It says, he is faithful in what is least, is faithful also in much. He is unjust in what is least, is also unjust in much. Brother Moore used the example of sweeping. And he's talking to ministers, you know, and he said, before you, you promote somebody to a position, you need to, you need to test them. And um, different people you read after who are successful ministers have been doing this that for a long time. And, and if you own a business, see Steve Green shaking his head, you own a business, you know, you, you don't just put people in charge of things without testing them first. Every, everybody's application looks great, right? I mean, there are websites to help you write a good, a, a good resume. I mean, everybody makes it look to the best. And, and then they ask the question in the interview process, tell me your greatest weakness. And my greatest weakness is I work too hard. You know, I mean, people use even these, these crazy answers, you know, and, and um, uh, now they tell you you have to come up with a real answer, some sort of a self-deprivating, deprivating, whatever the word is, the answer. And so, but you know, everybody looks good on paper, but, but if you know, if you're going to hire somebody, you're, gonna, you're going to give them something small to start with before you give them something of importance. If you want to maintain your business, you're going to do it. Well, in the local church, the same way, it's the same thing in a local church or any, any organization. That's why people start with the good then move to an acceptable and then to something perfect because each step along the way, there's greater responsibility attached to it. And with greater responsibility, there's greater consequences if it's done wrong, right? I mean, you don't have the same consequences. Somebody fails in a, a good and it's something where they're just starting out and serving. 
you don't have the same consequences as you do if it's someone who's in charge of a large ministry that, that gets into trouble. Those are two very different things. So Brother Moore had likened it to, you know, people want to be used. Well, before you give somebody a mic, give them a broom. Before you give them a microphone, you give them a broom. I found people don't like that. People don't like, I, I, we had one time, you know, I had somebody I was looking to add in the youth department that the Lord had put on my heart about adding them as to work and, and to help. And, uh, and they wanted it. And I knew they wanted to be in there. I didn't just invite them in to work in the youth department. I didn't. I asked them to come in and do something that was outside of our, our Wednesday night schedule, like after service, come and do something and, and come before, come out. Actually, I think what I did was I asked them to help watch kids before service. Because we have a lot of kids running around and, and, and young ones and things. And Deborah's been doing this for years. She watched our kids, you know, she's been faithful all these years. And, and I said, listen, you know, come in and, and watch the kids before service. And, and, and then, you know, after service, you know, if you can help different ones. I think at this point our kids were old enough we didn't need help. But you can help the different, different ones who help with their kids. That, that would be a way to serve in the youth department. That's not what this person wanted. They wanted to have a job. And they said, well, does that mean I can hang out in service? I can be in part of service? I said, no, you'll, you'll, you'll go next door. You know, you'll still be in the main service because just be before and after. You could tell suddenly they went from excited to not happy at all. You know, I don't like that. And it wasn't just a matter of time. They were, they just, they wrote the whole thing off. I actually wanted to use them. I had a heart to use them. And at a, there was a place for them. I could see where they would fit in what we were doing, but they weren't willing to start somewhere else. They weren't willing to do the sweeping. They wanted the microphone first. He gave that example, you know, of, of, uh, of sweep. It's not just simply, will they sleep? Will they sweep where you told them to sweep? Will they sweep how you told them to sweep? Will they sweep when you told them to sweep? What attitude will they sweep with? These are all things. This, this is all part of faithfulness. If they have a better idea, he said this, if they Google best sweeping methods... Or heard from the Lord a better way to sweep. He said, don't give, them, don't, don't give them anything else to do. That is so true. It's kind of like, you know, people want to preach. People want to get up and get the mic, but they don't want to tithe. Well, you're not going to get the mic. I, want, I have something to share. I have a song that I want to sing, but you're not willing to come early to help in the cafe or, 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 or you know, uh, do something else, you know, just whatever. You're not willing to. I want, I want a position in front of everybody. People who get positions in front are people that for a long time did things behind the scenes. In fact, they still do things behind the scenes. You know, Amy and I early on, we scrubbed a bunch of toilets and we've done, we've done everything that we've, uh, and, and we've, that was actually, we dated. Our dates were scrubbing toilets. I mean, here at the church and we got paid for it, but we didn't get paid enough. I can tell you that it, it was, it was a job, but we did it because they didn't have anybody else to do it. And so, you know, we'll, 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 we'll do the job and that's how we dated it's not ideal how you win somebody over. Hey, baby, let's go clean the church together. It worked for me. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I know people don't believe in this. They believe, well, give me something important. I'll rise to the challenge. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, if a person is unfaithful in what is least, they'll also be faithful. If they are faithful in what is least, they'll also be faithful in much. And if they're unjust in what is least, they'll also be unjust in much. Faithfulness is a big deal. Faithfulness is a big deal. Well, I'll stop with that tonight. You know, I think we, we've said enough. Uh, uh, finding your place is great. Finding your place is important. God has a place for each of us. I know Pastor will finish up his message uh, uh, when he gets back. I know Father's Day is next week, so we'll see what happens after that. But um, he'll finish it up, and uh, it'll be good. But I trust you've been blessed by what he's ministered on. But also trust you've been challenged a little bit. You know, let's expand. Let's expand ourselves. Let's, 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 let's not get satisfied in where we're at. Let's keep pushing the boundaries. Why? Because growth comes when we do it. Let's, let, when, the, when you see an area that's not functioning right, well, get in there to help it. You know, get in there to, to aid it and to assist it. You know, that's all part of finding your good. There, there are people who could very well be graced to be those kind of people. I know there are people that are like that. They're, they are graced to just move from here to there to fill deficiencies and needs and help out in this area and help out in there, that area. They're a massive blessing. A massive blessing. And the good news is they're going to get massively blessed in eternity as well 
Because that's part of the grace that's on their life. They're just, they're just good at that. They just, just naturally they just fit right in and just do it. Whatever it is God has for you. Don't just let days go by and weeks go by and years go by. Find what God has for you and do it wholeheartedly. Give it everything you've got. Like I said, only things that will matter in eternity are the things we do for the kingdom of God. And I'm not just saying that because I'm Pastor Greg, but it's a reality. The only thing that will last will be the things we do for the kingdom of God. That's it. Other things are important, but they don't take first place over what God has graced and called us to do. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Father, your faithfulness. We love you so much. Father, thank you for the opportunity to serve. Thank you that you've given gifts to us. Hallelujah. And we make the determination. We will be faithful in every area. Father, we know you're faithful. So we just take our position of faithfulness right alongside you. Hallelujah. We thank you for the opportunity. We love you so much. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.